and welcome to Women in Confidence with Vanessa Murphy, the podcast that discusses all things to do with confidence at work. This is a podcast for women who want to know more about where their confidence supports them and where it can let them down in their careers. I'm your host, Vanessa Murphy, confidence coach, HR expert and podcaster. Every fortnight, this podcast will introduce you to women who have interesting stories to tell around confidence. Through their stories, you will realise that even women who appear to have it all have had confidence wobbles. But by listening to them, you will take away what they do to remain top of the confidence game. I have Berta Sanchez-Villar on the podcast today, and Berta is an architect and a member of the Royal Institute of British Architects. She moved from her home country, Spain, to Missouri to pursue her university studies in architecture and art history. Then she moved to Kansas for a year and then she returned to Europe. Wanting to continue practicing architecture in English, she moved to London, where she's delivered high-end residential school and government projects. In 2017, she changed her focus from architecture to project management and joined a company called MACE, where she's now an associate director leading a team delivering international projects. Her passion for the built environment, learning and options of roles and projects makes her evolution an exciting adventure of self-discovery and challenge. Berta is also an introvert and has strong views that confidence is not the exclusive realm of the extrovert. Hello, Berta, and welcome to Women in Confidence. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. We should tell everybody that you're actually in Madrid right now and and I'm in Melbourne, so we are, I think, about 14 (laughs) hours different. Yes, yes, that's what... (laughs) Yeah. I think that's right. 14 hours. Yeah. yeah. I always find these recordings really sort of blow my mind when I'm talking to people in completely different time zones. So you're just starting your day and I'm just working towards my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let's get on with women in confidence. So I always like to start asking my guests this first question. What does confidence mean to you? To me, confidence is having the courage and the willingness of being afraid and taking a risk when you know that it is right for you. It's confidence is something that allows you to to be vulnerable and to let yourself turn up and be fully seen by yourself and others so that the entire point of courage is to grow into whatever it is that in your path, in your life, there's something pulling you in one direction always. And it's just taking those steps that require that confidence, that, which means the courage and that willingness, that being scared, and in essence, not just being in your bathrobe on the sofa forever and longer, if that makes, if that makes any sense. That's what confidence means to me. And you've said a few things there that make me probably quite nervous, but also any listeners, because you talked about being afraid, taking risks and being vulnerable. And through those, you you get confidence. And, and how many, well, how do you feel about taking risks? I mean, is that something that's natural to you? I think whenever in the process of growth, you categorically, in my view, have to take risks. And it's just how you manage those risks as a as an individual. So for example, me being in, the, in this podcast, I'm an introvert. So doing this to me is taking 
a massive risk. It's, have I said the right word? Have I not? Have I messed this up? Have I not? But, you know, when when we spoke, I was like, well, this, this makes sense. Am I scared? Yes. Is this comfortable? No. Is this what I need to do? Yes. All right, let's do it. And, you know, that was that. So it's my little example of what I consider to be, uh, to be, to be confidence, I guess, and courage. I love the fact that you declare yourself an introvert because many people that I speak to think that confidence is the sole right of an extrovert. And I, I don't know, what's your view on that? I respectfully disagree. <laughs> I think um, being an introvert or an extrovert is just where you get your energy from. So an introvert gets energy from, from within uh, and an extrovert gets energy from, from others around. So when it's, when, you know, when those statements are made, I wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't quite agree, agree with that. So when you're feeling your most confident self, what does that feel like to you? I think it would be, it's when, when I am at ease with what I know what I don't know, and just taking that step forward to, to, to grow and, and develop and not being, and just kind of getting over, accepting that fear and using it alongside my, that willingness and that courage to, to push, to push through. And so other than this podcast, when was the last time you felt that fear and you've pushed through? Well, it's something that you fear. Well, that I have it happens to me a lot. Obviously, there's a lot of levels of it. Some stuff might be, you know, when you're like a very silly example, you're in the supermarket and then someone quite blatantly cuts in front of you. You have a choice. You either stay quiet or you say, I'm sorry, I'm also in the queue. Do you mind, you know, kind of going behind me? It might sound silly, but it does require a certain level of confidence and like courage to do that. So you have from that tiny example to, you know, a few years ago, I went to um, to Nepal and did the Annapurna base camp um, trek with a, a very close friend of mine. I'm terrified of heights, terrified. And this thing is, you know, you go all the way to Annapurna base camp, which is pretty high up. Um, so the entire thing, every single day to me, was extremely challenging, filled with fear, but also it was, I was so vulnerable every single day. I was the slowest trekker of the entire group. And I'm like, I'm cool with that. I'll just be the slowest one. We're all like, there's no rush. We're all ending up in the same place every day. So it doesn't matter if I take five minutes longer or an hour longer, it just kind of doesn't matter. So it was just, you know, that experience was very good at helping me be at ease with myself, with my levels of, you know, where I'm at in different areas of, of my life and my, and myself and just say, okay, this is, this is cool. I'm all right with this. And just every day I just went through the same exercise. And, you know, when we finished that, that trek, it was, I kind of went in through one door and I just came out so much with, I had grown, I felt that group so much but that was because I was pushing myself in many different areas rather extremely on a daily on a daily basis and like that you know there's also examples that 
you know, at, at work. I do, I am a, uh, an architect now practicing as a, as a, as a project manager, obviously in, in, uh, in, in construction, which brings an entire realm of, um, of challenges and, and things that as a woman you have to, you have to manage and have the confidence to, to deal with on a daily basis. So you just kind of transfer one lesson from one space to another, and you also use it as a, as an example of, well, I've, I've already done this, but in a different way. So I can transfer it. I can transform it. Give me that push to know that my vulnerability is there's, there's a backup to it. There's a strength in that vulnerability to push and to say, all right, I'll get, I'll get through this and I'll learn and I'll grow. Let's talk about your profession. And I use that term deliberately because architecture is more a profession than a job. How did you get into the line of work of being an architect? So in my family, there's, um, we're all very avid readers and, um, I was I was at home one day when I was what seventeen had no clue what I wanted to do, and um, I picked up a, a book about architecture, read it. I was rather intrigued, um, and then um, my my mother introduced me to a, a friend of the family who was an architect. Went to a studio. He had you know back then everyone smoked indoors in Spain and stuff. So you know there was like the mist of, of the cigarette smoke and you know, the table where the, they, he would see drafts and then like his, his drawings, like his entire library about, you know, books about, about architecture. And there was something in me that was like, this is, this is something, this is something else. And then I said, all right, I want to do architecture. And that was, that was the beginning. <laughs> I think architecture is probably one of the longest university courses going, isn't it? Um, yeah, obviously, besides uh, besides medicine, and um, I think law is still a bit long. Architecture is um, is is a fairly long, very long career to to complete. And how long did it take you? Uh, so I went to university in in the states, and over there, the career for an architect is five years, and after that you do internships and then you take exams to become a licensed architect. So in Spain, it's eight years, but at the end of the day, it somewhat ends up being circa eight years, <laughs> wherever it is that, that you go. So it's, it's very long, very long. And why did you move to America to do your degree? Both my, both my siblings were in university in the States. So in my 18 year old mind, it just, I went to, I went to British schools in Spain. Um, so it just generally made sense to keep studying in English because my mother tongue is Spanish and to say, all right, well, my siblings are in the States, so I might as well go there. And it was quite literally as simple as that. (laughs) They're there. It's English. Okay, let's do it. And do you feel that that took confidence to do that or was it just a natural move? Oh, I didn't, I don't know. I, I knew what the word confidence was when I was, when I was 18. I think it was just, uh, this seems like a rational choice. Let's, let's just do this. And how did that decision <laughs> kind of turn out? It, to be fair, it was an amazing five years of, of my life. I ended up, um, I was accepted in a number of, um, 
of very well-known universities in the East Coast and one liberal arts school, still kind of Bauhaus education in, in Springfield, Missouri, right in the middle of the country. I didn't even know where that is. I'll look at an it's, atlas when I get well, it's, I mean, let's, literally, it's slap bang in the middle of the country. It's next to like Texas. It's there's, yeah, it's slap bang in the middle. Mark Twain National Park is, um, is right, is right in between Missouri and, and Kansas, which is in the, one of the neighboring states. So, and then after you finish your degree, you moved to the UK. Yeah. So when I moved, when I finished uni, I, um, I stayed in, in Missouri for a year and I practiced for an architecture firm there. And then after that, it was time to, to, uh, to leave the States. And I had to make another choice. I'm like, well, do I want to kind of start my career as an architect in Spain, but then I have to learn everything in Spanish because obviously the way you put tectonics, everything, the vocabulary is different. And it's not something that you learn when you're growing up, when you're 13, you start talking about foundations. It's not, you don't really learn that vocabulary at home. And so I, I decided that I wanted to keep working in English. So it just made sense to go to the UK. (laughs) And I told myself, where do I want to go? So um, I somewhat learned my lesson from being in Springfield, Missouri. And I'm like, no, 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 let's go somewhere that's a bit more metropolitan, cosmopolitan, that has, you know, a bit more um, variety of choice in terms of culture and arts and all of that. And um, I ended up in, uh, in London. And although you're not in London right now, you're on holiday in Spain. How are you finding yes. London? Uh, well, I've been there for, I've lived in London for 15 years now. And, um, you know, I, I, I love it. I always, I always have. There's so, there's so much happening all the time. There's, I love food. So, you know, restaurants, I love, you know, art, opera, ballet, there's so much of everything going on at the same time. And the city is so big and there's so many like mixes of, of cultures, of, of ways of living, of different types of people from all over the world. The diversity is, is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And you always learn, I always learn so much from it. And there's so much inspiration from how different cultures express express themselves whether it's in architecture or you know when you go to restaurant your design or artwork it's it's phenomenal or food as well so let's talk about your job at mace you're an associate director so what do what do you do in that role what do i do um well as an associate director i um i'm currently the um the account lead for um for a government body we do international work from for them, and I run a team of um, of project managers who deliver a uh, a portfolio of um, of work. And I also deliver a couple of projects my myself. And then there's also within the associate directorship role, there's also a point with regards to you know business development and understanding ways of you know expanding and depending on the types of clients that you have there's always additional frameworks or more opportunities so it's somewhat it's at the end of the day it's all about relationships and if you create a strong relationship just like 
with any other type of relationship, if it's positive and it's based on, on respect and, you know, and trust, and if you do your job well, then there's normally, Hey, have you heard about the, you know, this, that, or the other. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, a bit of, a bit of all of that, all of that sort of stuff. And what do you find most challenging about your role? For me, it's, um, it's somewhat twofold. It's, um, I have, I have a team and I, I am very much involved in, in ensuring that they have their, that I help them with their development. And I assist in through my, my, you know, my network internally assist them in, in their professional growth and help them figure out also those, you know, those challenges and kind of what they might want to do, what they might not want to do and try and help them in, in figuring out that direction. Because one of the beauties about, about um, not just architecture, but generally construction as an industry, there's so many roles. There's so many types of projects. There's so many opportunities that for me, it's like I'm in a candy shop or in a shoe shop. You know, there's so many options. You're like, I want that and that and that and that. And that. So it's somewhat helping them focus. Um, that would be one part of the challenge. And then the other one is, is, um, is obviously as a, again, somewhat as a, as an introvert, I, I speak through the work that I, that I produce and that I, and that I carry out. I believe I'm in pretty good, pretty good, um, positive hands on my, with, with all of my clients who are, you know, very happy with my work and it makes it easier to have conversations about, well, this is other stuff that we're doing or, you know, what else is, you know, what else is, is happening and let's, let's keep working together. I'm just going to go back to what you said about it being the construction industry being a bit like a, a shoe shop or a candy shop. And there are so many opportunities. Are you deliberate in how your career is going? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, the way I look at my career is I look at it in the short term, in the middle term and in the long term. I do enjoy having a plan always and understanding what my purpose is because without purpose it's pretty I find it pretty hard to navigate and there's always kind of that strength that pulls you in one way and sometimes you know it pulls you in another way and that's and that's okay that's that's the a journey so what I try to do is I I think of myself and what do I think of me in 20 years and then what I do is figure out well, what steps do I need to take now to somewhat get me to that, to that point? And what I found over the past 15 years is that my path is generally going as I, as I wanted to go. But obviously, as you, as you have more experience, as you become exposed to a greater variety of, of, of options, of different people, of different par- parts of the industry, Sometimes, and also personal experiences, you know, sometimes things completely change and they, they, they just change your direction and that's okay too. But the one thing that I have always kept as a constant is that it needs to feel right in, in, the, in my gut. It needs to feel like it's the right decision. One of the biggest decisions I made was to move from architecture to project management. 
there's always this joke with architects. If you move into project management, you're going into the dark side. It's sorry. It's it's just it's a general a joke that we all have. And it was you know it was a it was a big deal. It's like well you know I've always been the one who you know the practicing architect. You know carrying out the drawings, being on site, all of that. Did I want to move on to managing those projects and doing something that's uh, not in the wholeness what I was trained to do? And in my in, in my gut, it was like, yeah, this is going to be exciting. Do it. And then, you know, after practicing for, for, for quite a number of years, you know, four years ago, I said, okay, let's do it. So, you know, I joined a company that is very well known for, for delivering very high quality project management services. So I joined, I joined MACE and that was the beginning of somewhat of a new stage in my career. Did I know that when I was 19? Absolutely not. Did I know that eight years ago? Absolutely not. But you know, you evolve and you grow and sometimes you just get, you find something new and it might not be the plan that you had, but if it feels right. You just kind of veer towards it and have that confidence. And again, that, that courage and that willingness of being vulnerable and saying, am I going to be any good at this? This is this right. This is going to be wrong. Am I really going to mess this up? Well, you got, you just have to, again, have that look at what you've already done and be like, wow, I've already accomplished all of this. Well, this should be fine. I'll be fine. If I hit a wall, well, I'll just get up and I'll figure it out and it's okay. And that's, you know, and that's kind of how I take my, my, I guess my career progression in those, in that, in that manner. But there's always somewhat of a, there's, there's always a little dot that I know I kind of want to get to. And do you know what that little dot is looking like in, say, 10 years' time? Do you have a, a vision of what you want to be, to have, to do? I still want to do um, a bit more exploration, explore the different parts of, you know, I've done um, project management and program management. I've done a bit of design management. So I think it's a matter for me of looking at projects, areas that have different scales. Because obviously one thing is doing, you know, I've done from the very small 300,000 garden extension, which you learn so much from, you know, to doing, to helping out on massive estates where our appointments are, you know, 90 million pounds just for, just for part of a consultancy team. So I still want to be able to carry it, to deliver work on somewhat of the bigger, the bigger scales and learn from that because there's the, your, your skill set needs to change and needs to mold to that. But the way I see it is that if you don't understand the basics, it makes it hard to take those, take those jumps. So I think for me, that's where my confidence comes, comes in when you go from like, the baby steps you first crawl you walk and then you run some people just run and that's great but i just don't work that way i need to crawl you know walk trot a bit and then and then run so it's that transition between a slower pace and a faster pace that's where that confidence kind of needs to kick in and the faster that you go the more it somewhat means in terms of vulnerability and, and risk 
and saying and having that courage and that willingness to say, all right, let's do it. So our paths crossed, I think, very briefly when we both worked at Purcell. <laughs> yeah. And from my recollection, the, the world of, sort of design and architecture is pretty gender balanced. And then it all changes when you go on site <laughs> and you find yourself um, perhaps as the only female and particularly with you in your current role as the senior female. How do you find that environment and how do you deal with it? So over the years, I have to say construction is getting is getting better um, constantly with with regards to that. I remember when I when I first moved to London, going with the with my my boss, who was the owner of the practice, going to site, and um, everyone thought that I was a secretary. And they're like, no, 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 she's you know she's not a licensed architect, but she's you know she's an architectural assistant. So that was that was fun. And then that's kind of evolved over the years to me going as a senior architect to site with junior male architects and the contractor listening to the junior male architect where they listen to me and then me having to put them in their place and me in my place. So there's overall, it's, it's always interesting, especially when you're having a confrontational conversations on site with regards to either, you know, cost or quality or something that hasn't been installed the way it should have been with when you're just like surrounded by by men who are far bigger than you and you know you're wearing a high vis that's five sizes bigger than you because they currently still don't make ppe for for women the way i do it it's well this is my role if you don't like it that's not my problem that's your problem so you know, you deal with it because what you can't do, the only thing you can control is how you react to things. You cannot control anything outside your reaction really, or how you manage yourself. So I always try to be, I'm always well-spoken, respectful, but sometimes you have to put people in their, in their, in their place when someone comes, gets out of line. But as I've said, it's far, far, it's improving. It's improving all the time. And now that I'm more senior, it's always interesting because normally it's, it's a, it is an entire room full with, filled with men who are older than me. And then I'm sat, sat at the head of the table. So I get a kick out of it. I think it's, it's fun. It, it does, it does take a bit more commanding of, of the situation of the, of the forum. And you just, I mean, everyone is pretty understanding of, all right, she knows what she's talking about. And then it just kind of goes on to business as usual. Do women tend to have to demonstrate that a bit more than men? I wouldn't say no, but it, you know, so long as you approach things in a, as le- at least in my experience, in a, in a constructive way, in a way where you want to work with others in a collaborative manner with just calmly and with respect everything just falls into everything just falls into place and when it comes to those times when there's always some form of arguments then again it's dealing them in the same in the same manner and that's one thing that i do find that when you're more calm about it it makes things easier and then there's always interesting stories that you get on site because you're not sometimes used to seeing women on site like i once had to go to site it was an, a, an emergency I was wearing a dress and I had to go up the scaffold 
And the contractors are like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? They're so nervous. Like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We'll go up first. You go up last. And then we go down. You go down first. Then we go down after you. And then we'll make sure that the guys on the, you know, who are on the scaffold just kind of look another way. And I was like, all right, that's <laughs> like that, you know, that works. I don't, <laughs> it's fine. So there's, there's also funny, funny stories that, that happen on, uh, on, on, on your journey. Cause I'm not wearing trousers all the time. All the time. Sometimes I wear a skirt or a dress and sometimes you get called out on site and it's an emergency when you're wearing a skirt or a dress with heels and you just put your side boots on and, and then you go, you're the last one going up and the first one going down. <laughs> That's such a funny story. Um, so when you're sat at the top of the table and you're chairing the meeting or you're in a sort of confrontational or slightly charged situation, what do you draw on to feel in control of your emotions? How do you do that and, and really exude confidence? The way I, I normally manage those those situations is I I somewhat pull on I think every person, whether you're male or female, you have a bit of male and a bit of female in you. And what I do is I pull from that male aspect of me and I I'm always very factual. It has to be a fact. If it's not a fact, then it's not something that can be measured. If it cannot be measured, it cannot be valued. And if it cannot be valued, it's an opinion or it, it's something that you cannot measure. So I try to always keep the conversation on some, on, based on facts. Depending on the conversation, sometimes feelings and opinions arise. And, and it's, it's always, I think, and I think this is with any, with any industry, you just, always have to try and bring back the focus on why we're here, what we're trying to do, the fact that we need to do it together, the fact that we need to get to a conclusion, the fact that everyone might not get leave that room with everything they wanted, but at the end of the day, the project must go on, the project must be completed. And you always have to do, in my view, what is right for, for the project. And if that means that everyone has to compromise, well, so, you know, so be it. Because otherwise we're all there because we love construction. We're all there for the same reason. So sometimes you have to uh, take that step back and remind everyone why we're there and say, okay, what do we need to do to make this happen? Are we all understanding one another? Because sometimes people speak, but you don't quite get it. So I find that sometimes mirroring what people say is a good technique to say, okay, I've understood that. And then you say, we've well, understood. And sometimes my understanding is completely wrong. Do I understand the words that, he, that that person is saying? Yes, but I've understood something different in my head. So I find that mirroring helps, helps quite a bit in the situations. And again, just going back to the facts. If there's facts, we analyze them. We move, you know, and we find a solution. If there's no facts, then you're in a gray area and, you know, you'd sometimes pull a contract to remind people that there's no gray areas in contracts or, you know, or you go back to, all right, let's take it back to the, again, the facts. You seem a very logical, balanced individual. Have you always been that way? Is that something you were aware of when you were younger? 
Um, well, thank you for starters. <laughs> I think that was I was I factual based when I was younger. I don't remember. I I think that uh, architecture was uh, a great starting point for for those for those for those facts and like trying to understand what is true and and what is and what is not true. Also, working throughout you know the past fifteen years with normally usually men, I've also taken quite a bit on board how they tend to approach things, which is well, what is categorically right and what is categorically wrong? And I've always found that in, in the working environment that that is just empirical knowledge. Like you're just right or you're wrong. And in some, in some industries, right and, wrong, right and wrong is not what it's about. But in my view, construction is about it's right or it's wrong. It's one color or it's another. There's no really gray sometimes there are but you have to very very clear as to how you navigate it but in my view it's having facts and having clarity and trying to simplify problems and trying to boil them down to their essence also helps it mainly helps me again have that confidence to push things forward because if I know that a problem boils down to X, Y, and Z, and I express that, it does, it does help me move forward and, and again, move through the areas in that project that I might be afraid of, or well, what are they going to think if I say, well, if it's based on these facts, then like, that's, just kind of, that's just kind of it. And then when you make a recommendation, you make it based on the facts. So they either take it or they leave it. But it comes from a place of knowledge, which I think is alongside being, you know, vulnerability and all of that. It it's a place of where I find a lot of my my confidence when it comes to delivering my role. If that makes sense. Mm, and you talked about certain confidence in your role, and and I just want to draw on what you said about um, a story you said about being in the supermarket and people pulling into you. Do you feel that you're confident? outside your role like outside work yeah because you're you know you're obviously the master of your subject in work do you feel you have the same level of confidence outside of work well well, that's a that's an interesting interesting question and the answer is is twofold the answer is yes and the answer is is no whether you know my work is obviously a big part of a big part of my life um, but then obviously outside outside work, you have an entire raft of, of, of everything that are more weighed maybe on, on the emotional end of things, which is, you know, relationships, for example, with, with friends, with, with family, with loved ones. And you, you need that confidence to also grow in a, in a personal way. And what I used to do is I used to completely divide my work self to my personal self. And over the years, I've learned that it doesn't really quite work that way for me anymore. I've discovered that the two of them need to coexist. 
in the same space. So I draw from one and I draw from the other. So that also as a, as an individual and as, as a woman, I can keep growing. Because the, the beauty about work is that it can it kind of starts when you're an adult, right? But then your personal life starts when when you're born. So there's 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 a plethora of stuff that you know everyone's kind of carrying and dealing with and all of those, that amazing mix of stuff. And it comes to a point where you have to where you have to grow up about all of it. And where you have to figure out where you want to be or who you want to be as a person and what your values are and how you reflect those values as an individual and how you reflect those as also in your, I guess, you know, in your, in your work, because at the end of the day, you're the same person, just in different facets. So it's, what do you carry with you to each one of those rooms? If there were a house, what do you carry to each one of them? So it's it's having the confidence also as a as a woman to say, all right, well, I'm taking all of this with me into all of these rooms, and that's and that's okay. So in the last few minutes of the recording, for all those introverts who are listening, what's your one piece of advice to gain confidence and maintain their confidence in work? Um, well, for introverts or you know or extroverts, really, for me. What works is to approach courage. So approach being vulnerable, approach that willingness, that courage on taking that risk, on being scared of being afraid because you just know it's right in your gut. What I would say is approach that from my glass is half full, not half empty. So approach it from, well, look what I've already done not just on your professional career, but also throughout, you know, all parts of all parts of, of your life. And just let yourself be grateful and be grateful for all the beautiful things that we all have in our in our lives. And look at your challenges from that basis. So in essence, from a basis where you have a network, where you have uh, people who who love you, who you can fall back on, from a point where, well, look, I you know I've done studies in a language that's not my own. All of those things that somewhat amount to, instead of oh my god, how am I going to do this? To well, look what I've already done. Look at my glass; it's like half full or more. You know, it's full. My glass is full, and just take it from that point of gratitude and that gratefulness and then all these items of you know confidence and this and the courage and vulnerability they will bring you more strength and they will give you more strength to have the confidence to just take those take those steps thank you and so thank you also for being on women in confidence um, it's just been such an interesting conversation and to to hear about your journey to where you are now um, as an associate director in mace within the construction industry so thank you so much berta for your time i hope you enjoyed being a guest on this podcast and it wasn't it too painful <laughs> <laughs> well i must say i was uh yeah it took a lot of confidence and courage, but yeah, well I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Women in Confidence, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please like it, share it, comment on it, and if you want to, sponsor it.
If you'd like to take part in my podcast or know somebody who would make a perfect guest, then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. That's contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Until next time. Thank you.